Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Lineout podcast, in which we wrap up last week's round four action of the rugby championship. I'm sorry it's a little bit late again this week. Uh, I've been trying to get ready to, I'm actually leaving for the UK for two weeks today. So I've been trying to get ready to that and start a school. It's all been a little bit crazy. Um, But yeah, uh, hopefully, and I I have to be honest uh, with me being on the road for the next two weeks, uh, I'll try and get something out uh, vis-a-vis the round five action but that may have to uh, wait till I come back. We'll see how it goes. Um, also of note this week, uh, this weekend, um, the men and women's World Cup sevens take place in South Africa. Um, it is available to view in Canada. Uh, it's being shown on TV on CBC on Wednesday, sorry, on Sunday on their terrestrial channels. Now, I'm not sure if that's uh, replays, but it does look like it's being shown also live on the website um, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern tomorrow uh, throughout the weekend. So, yeah, uh, Canada represented in both tournaments, so that should definitely be entertaining, particularly I think uh, the women's sevens team looks promising as does the Canadians women team for the rugby women's rugby world cup, which is taking place in New Zealand next month. We're still trying to get details on exactly uh, who will be showing that. Um, Dazen has been showing some of the warm up matches uh, for the women's world cup, but I'm not sure if uh, they have the rights for the actual tournament itself. I know uh, TSN has had rights in the past to World Cups, and I believe that their agreement with World Rugby does actually extend up to and including the 2023 World Cup, so in France next year. So I'm assuming, uh, therefore, that they will actually be um, showing the Women's World Cup in New Zealand next month, probably um, on their bonus streaming website. Uh, and not per se on TV. Well, we'll have to see. It'd be nice if they did, but but we'll see. Anyway, um, what I do know is for the uh, World Cup Sevens taking place this weekend, you can catch that on CBC on both the website uh, live. And then, like I say, I'm not sure. All I'm seeing is Sunday at 11 p.m. Eastern, but that's pretty well after the tournament's wrapped up. So I don't know whether they're just showing highlights of the whole thing on TV. I, I don't know. But anyway, definitely check the website um, because it is on there. So, yeah, let's talk about round four and what it means for the penultimate rounds of the rugby championship. Some pretty gritty matches, a kind of a blowout win for New Zealand in pretty poor weather in Hamilton over the Pumas, which, let's be honest, that does seem to follow to form. Uh, The last time uh, the Pumas beat um, New Zealand uh, in Sydney, I believe it was 2020, yeah, 2020, uh, for the rugby championship there, the follow-up match was an absolute blowout in favor of New Zealand. So it seems 
Uh, New Zealand doesn't take too well to uh, losing to the Pumas and comes back the following uh, weekend with a vengeance. And that's precisely what happened in Hamilton. Um, and I think, you know, like a lot of people have said, maybe it's just the, the emotion and the amount of physical effort that had to be put into that first game against New Zealand by the Pumas, which they won maybe took it out of them. And I think also, secondly, what they didn't do is adapt to the conditions uh, in Hamilton. I mean, their handling errors were absolutely horrendous. Um, whereas New Zealand, and that's one of the talking points of that game, uh, in really poor weather, three handling errors throughout the entire match. That's phenomenal. That's a little bit like Argentina's mind-bending tackle count uh, in the previous weekend. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty, pretty impressive, um, statistic for the all blacks and, uh, not so good, uh, for Argentina. Like I say, they, they just really kind of struggled to basically hang on to the ball. And, you know, I, again, it was interesting because, a lot of their play was not, it was certainly wasn't negative play. I thought they were playing with intent, but the handling errors, every time they kind of got momentum and it got to like phase three or four, they dropped the ball. Um, and yeah, so as a result, they just weren't really at the races. And as the scoreboard kept ticking over in favor of New Zealand, you know, the heads kind of went down. The weather was getting to them, I think. They were tired. Um and yeah, the rest is history. So yeah, a 53 to three scoreline in favor of the All Blacks, that's never something you really want to see. I mean, obviously, if you're an All Blacks fan, you're pretty tough with that. But um, yeah, an unfortunate end to a, to a contest that should have provided a little bit more. Uh, New Zealand, pretty well, for the most part, dominant in most of the statistics. Uh, they kind of they had the edge in the possession game by a good 10%, so 54% uh, possession compared to Argentina's 46%. Uh, but uh, the territory game, they really dominated it. And particularly, it's interesting, the territory game, 51% to 49% for Argentina. But in the first half, Argentina was actually dominating the, the territory game. They had 69% to New Zealand's 31, but then that completely switched in the second half and it was 68% uh, territory for New Zealand compared to 32%. And that's when, you know, New Zealand really ran away with the game. Um, but I think again, you know, it did show that in the first half, although the points, the scoreboard didn't reflect it, Argentina was in that match if they could have just hung on to the ball, um, they would have had a lot more to, to show. Uh, penalties, uh, again, at times, you know, New Zealand, um, a little bit of an issue, two penalties compared to one um, in terms of uh, kicking, you know, opportunities to kick at the posts. Admittedly, Argentina did convert their one shot at the post, but that's really all they had. But I think here's the real difference. 495 meters made for New Zealand compared to 297. You know, New Zealand were really firing on all cylinders. And I think that without question in the past, if you go back all the way to the autumn internationals from last year, that 
unequivocally for me is the best all black performance we've seen uh, since then. Um, I would say, I, I wouldn't say necessarily uh, as good or better than the performance at Ellis Park. I think that was because you had an opposition that was slightly more up for it. Whereas unfortunately, Argentina just weren't at the races uh, last weekend. But yeah, um, you know, they, they were they were running the ball. Their moves looked really, really well thought out. They were using space. Their kicking game was good. Moanga was on form. It, it all just clicked. You know, it, it was a complete All Blacks performance with everybody knowing what they should be doing. It was impressive. Um, and we haven't seen a lot of that from the All Blacks uh, in the last 12 months. So All Blacks fans, I think, and supporters will be really, really happy with, with that performance. A lot to get excited about. Uh, defenders beaten. You know, again, it's interesting. Argentina beat a fair few number of, of defenders. They beat 21, whereas New Zealand beat 26. So again, you know, if, if Argentina had been able to hang on to the ball a bit better, you would have to wonder, uh, you know, how different the scoreline could have been. Clean breaks, 6-4 to four in favor of New Zealand. Uh, gain line carries, pretty impressive uh, for New Zealand, 90 compared to 40 for Argentina. Uh, passes, 163 for New Zealand, 128 for Argentina. Offloads, kind of close. 10 to New Zealand, 7 for Argentina. So, you know, Argentina were working. They were trying to pull things off, but it was just that that a lot of the basics just were not firing for them. Um, turnovers won. You know, Argentina is still a phenomenal force in terms of getting turnover ball. Uh, 5 to 4 in their favor. Um, but I think what was really interesting compared to the first test is how quick... New Zealand were getting to the breakdown and stopping guys like Montoya and Matera being able to jackal the ball. You know, that that was a lesson they had clearly learned. And I think I've always said in the past that of all the teams in world rugby, New Zealand traditionally had that ability to adapt better than any other team. And I think that's what they did last weekend. You know, they, they got that ability to which seemed to be missing from their game in the last 12 months. But that ability to adapt to your opposition quickly and get on top of, of, of you know, your weaknesses was, was I think, on display 100% uh, last weekend by the All Blacks and Hamilton. Um, kicks from hand, 32 for New Zealand, 25 for Argentina. Rucks won again. Much better work uh, from New Zealand this week, last weekend at the breakdown. 102 rucks won compared to 82 for for uh, Argentina. So, yeah, you know, New Zealand really got that physical edge that they were lacking in that first test. They didn't let Argentina um, smother or dominate them physically. And they, you know, it, it was, like I say, a really concise, cohesive performance by, by all 15 guys on the pitch. Um, like I say, a heap of tries scored, seven tries, bit of a bit of a try fest for New Zealand compared to none for for Argentina. Uh, this weekend it was you know New Zealand having to do all the sorry Argentina having to do all the tackling, 177 tackles compared to only 129 for New Zealand. Um, missed tackles, 26 for Argentina, 21 for New Zealand. Set piece and phase statistics, you know, it was close. The tackle success from Argentina is still good. 
85% uh, compared to 84% for New Zealand. Not as obviously good and quite a dip in form compared to their 96% success rate last weekend for the Pumas. But yeah, you know, um, still pretty impressive. Uh, New Zealand, you know, still could do some work on defense, I think, but it was overall a much better defensive performance than we, than we've, I think, seen pretty well all year. So they'll feel happy about that. Uh, goal kicking success, you know, that again worked pretty well. Uh, they only missed one kick New Zealand out of, uh, nine, Argentina only had the one shot at the posts and Buffelli still seems to maintain his, his, his accuracy. So that was good. You know, Ruck, his success, it was even, it was 95% for both sides. So again, you know, it just shows that despite that scoreline, Argentina were not, you know, they, it wasn't like they were not in this game. Um, they just couldn't, they just couldn't convert any kind of momentum at key moments. Uh, Line-out success, really good from New Zealand, you know, uh, 100%, um, whereas Argentina only 87%. You know, so for New Zealand, I think, you know, the argument is now cast in stone that Samasoni uh, Takaheo is your man. Um, so expect to see him starting um, for the remainder of the uh, rugby, ship, rugby championship, uh, which is um, to... Uh, two Bledisloe cap matches, one in Australia, one in New Zealand. Um, scrums a little bit better uh, this time around for Argentina. They obviously did some did their homework there because they got they got kind of dominated in the first test against the All Blacks. Hundred uh, percent success rate, three out of three. So that was that was pretty good. But New Zealand looked pretty good as well, nine out of ten or ninety percent. You know they. So, but I think Argentina can feel pleased that that some of that basic work that was really troubling them in the first test got, got addressed. Um, penalties though, Argentina, you, you could tell when they get out muscle, the discipline kind of goes out the window. Um, 12 penalties to, to 11. I mean, it was close. New Zealand are still giving away a lot of penalties. It's just that Argentina weren't really using that to their advantage and yellow card for, for each of them. Um, I thought I felt really bad, you know, because the yellow card uh, for Argentina was for Labanini and it was just a, a technical error. It was, it was not a yellow card based on him seeing the red, red mist and, and getting all out of control. It was just a simple technical error. So I felt really bad for him because, you know, the minute he walks off the entire commentary, well, you know, Labanini has a, you know, a, a record of getting yellow and red cards, but well, yeah, he does, but he's cleaned up his game, and that was simply for fault. So give the guy credit where credit's due. So I, I did feel kind of bad about that um, from, you know, like a, a, an Argentinian perspective. I mean, you know, cut poor old uh, cut poor old um, Levanini a bit of slack. He is trying to, to clean up his game, and I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, some pretty niggly behavior from dane coles uh i thought you know hence that you could see uh pablo matera he obviously clearly wound up pablo matera um and that as the you know he just kind of refused him a handshake at the end i think you got to still bury the hatchet pablo and and do that but also i think dane coles 
lives up to his reputation as just a niggly, I would say borderline dirty player. Um, not one of my favorites, despite his abilities to uh, act as an all-out winger uh, on occasion, in addition to his roles as a hooker. Great player, but yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of the 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 winding the opposition up and getting under their skin and playing, you know, on the borders borders of legality is unnecessary. And I I hope we don't see it in the World Cup. I do like Takayo. I think he's your man to go forward. Um, so yeah, there you have it. Uh, then we had Australia, South Africa. Wow, was that a tense match? Uh, you could really tell that uh, Nick White's antics um, the weekend before had basically put a giant target on the backs of all of that Wallaby team. Um, you know, the box were, were fired up. They were angry. Uh, and they came out of the stables blazing. And it was a good game from them. It wasn't a pretty game at times. Uh, there was a lot of off-the-ball stuff, which was unfortunate, I thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, they came with an edge and you never really want to take on a Springbok, uh, Springbok side when, uh, they've got a point to prove and they, they certainly did, uh, this weekend. That was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, um, like I say, it was a niggly game. Uh, Nick White clearly hadn't learned his lessons from the week before, uh, and he just kept on chirping and trying to get under the uh, the box skin. I thought that push uh, of Sia Khaleesi by Nick White was completely unnecessary. And it was like, dude, you've been a jerk last weekend. Tone it down because you're not doing yourself or your team any favors. Um, and then as the images show, it all kind of boiled over towards the end when Mapimpi scores his try. Uh, and, you know, Cora Betty goes in with, again, another pretty sketchy-looking tackle, almost leading again with shoulder first. Mapimpi this time gets the score, and you can see he's just, he's just you know, he's done with it. Uh, and that causes a big fracas uh, on the sidelines. Everybody gets involved. Uh, Etzebeth does his best rabid dog impersonation. Um and yeah, he just goes bananas. Um, I mean, it was a pretty terrifying sight. But then, you know, as it's been spread around social media, there's that very touching scene of all the players, you know, having a beer in the changing room afterwards. And Alan Alatoa, with whom uh, Elizabeth was having this rabid dog confrontation, uh, you know, he goes up to the fridge, gets a beer out, hands it to Elizabeth, and, you know, they give each other a big hug and it's onwards and upwards from there. And that, you know, that still personifies what, you know, it might have been maybe I, I can hear some people saying, oh, well, that was a little bit staged. Maybe it was. But, you know, I think the way Elizabeth gave Alatoa a hug, that looked pretty genuine, if you ask me. So, yeah, and great to see. And then, you know, that is still the amazing aspect of our game. I mean, you can go batshit out there for 80 minutes and beat the crap out of each other. But once that final whistle blows, you know, um, then yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
it's it's we're all we're all brothers in this together. And I mean, you know, I think even in, in fairness to Pablo Matera, there were scenes of of him, uh, you know, after the game on the pitch, you know, he's having a joke with Jason Ryan, even though he's just been annihilated by the All Blacks. You know, there's still a lot of good feeling there, and I still think those qualities and uh, are still what makes our game from a very one-eyed perspective, I guess, but I think it's ju- it's 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 justified the greatest game on the planet. So yeah, uh, but like I say, pretty exciting game. Um, you know, great to see the box spring back um, and played a really good game. I thought, um, particularly given the fact that Andre Pollard wasn't playing, I was really impressed with uh, Damian Valemsa's. Uh, debut for the box at at, uh, at fly half thought he had a, an absolute really solid game um i thought Kanan moody obviously with that try on debut that's that's definitely going to be one of the tries of the tournament um great to see him um you know get get a debut like that and really announce himself on the world stage but just lots of great performances uh you know sia Khaleesi was outstanding franco mustard uh, was outstanding visa you know just goes to show you start the right guy in the eight jersey um and he makes all the difference but you know so did quagga smith when he came on you know great game from him you know my pimpe was on fire i thought Jaden Hendricks at scrum half really another really really solid performance um so yeah good for some that great got some real depth now i think in in the nine position um so yeah, and Vili Larue, what a you know, I do find him inconsistent, but boy, when that guy's on song, uh, he can turn in a blinder, and that's what he did last weekend. So yeah, it was great to see from the box, you know, just particularly from that starting fifteen, really, really, really impressive performance. Um, stats wise, uh, you know, uh, possession uh, marginally. Uh, for South Africa, 51% to 49%. Uh, the territory game, interestingly enough, was in favor of uh, Australia, 55 to 45. Um, but in the second half, where it really counted, it was about South Africa, 59% to 41%. You know, as I say, as, as the game wore on and the, the box started to get into their groove and get some confidence going, they were clearly, clearly the more clinical side. Um, obviously four tries to one, that's a, that's a pretty, uh, pretty good feeling for the box. Um, they ran the ball a lot, 195 meters, uh, for the box compared to 131 for Australia, 19 defenders beaten to 17 for Australia, clean breaks. Now here's a really telling statistic, uh, seven to one in favor of South Africa. So, you know, again, a lot of people have criticized South Africa for not having an attacking game. Well, I think they had a, I think they had a pretty convincing attacking game um, last Saturday. Uh, passes, uh, 119 for South Africa, 125 for Australia. Gain line carries, again, 41 to 29 in South Africa's favor. Uh, offloads, pretty even, uh, 8 to 7 in favor of South Africa. Again, Fox brought that physicality that... that Australia really struggled to match them on Saturday. Um, four turnovers, one for South Africa compared to one for Australia. Uh, they were kicking more, uh, but it was it was structured kicking. It was sensible kicking, 31 to 25 kicks from hand in favor of South Africa. Uh, ironically, though, 
um, despite having said overall, I felt South Africa lost the physical battle. Rucks won, 71 for Australia, 64 for South Africa. But I think that's also because South Africa was just actually tending to run the ball a lot more in this game. Uh, you know, they did have to be together defensively, 120 tackles made uh, for South Africa compared to 98 for um, Australia. But I thought defensively South Africa do look good, and they have looked good uh, pretty well all year. Uh, tackles missed, though. There's a telling statistic, 19 for Australia, 17 for Australia. And in the set piece and phases, tackle success, a little bit of an edge for uh, South Africa, 86% to 81 for Australia. Goal kicking success, still kind of 50-50, 50% for both sides. Um, Rucks success, you know, again, here's where South Africa kind of outmuscled Australia a bit, 97 to 92%. Lineouts. Still struggling a little bit there uh, for South Africa, 79% to 80%. That's something they're definitely going to want to address ahead of the, the series with Argentina. Um, but scrums, yeah, the Australian scrum in general looked weak. 75% uh, success for the box compared to 67 for Australia. Uh, penalties, pretty even, 13 apiece. Uh, two yellow cards for South Africa, and I won't be happy about that. Um, but yeah, uh, like I say, an impressive performance from the box. So the rugby championship as it stands now, as they head into round five, which will be South Africa will travel to Argentina for one of those games and then back to South Africa, uh, where they'll play the second game against Argentina. So one game in Buenos Aires, one game in Durban and Australia travel to, uh, Melbourne, which is not one of my favorite pitches um and then uh the uh showdown the final showdown for the blood is low uh is at eden park so uh sorry good luck australia there but yeah it's it seems to have fallen into a familiar pattern sort of you they you know you win one you lose one that seems to be the theme of this rugby championship argentina is the only uh, exception to that rule, having pulled off two back-to-back -back wins, but then coming down to earth last weekend in Hamilton with a bit of a bang. Um, yeah, like I say, New Zealand have their final game. If they win both games against Australia, they will win the championship. If they don't, then it's a it's pretty much a a a, a free free for all. Um, it's a, with everybody in it, there's basically one point separating everybody with just New Zealand having the slight edge at the top of the table, um, followed by South Africa, uh, followed by um, um, Australia, and then Argentina. But there's really nothing in it. So if Australia, if New Zealand win both their Bledisloe Cup matches, they'll have it sewn up, and then it's a three-way race between South Africa, Australia, and Argentina with kind of strange rules as to who determines, like it's all based, not overall points differences. It's kind of scored based on how many points you scored in the, the series of the two tests against each side. So it's kind of a strange scoring system this year, which I don't fully understand. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's still essentially anybody's championship. I think the likelihood of New Zealand losing at Eden Park to Australia is pretty slim. Um, I think the question remains now that if uh, they can now back up 
last Saturday's win with a back-to-back win in Melbourne. Like I said, Melbourne's not my favorite pitch. It, it really seems to chew up under pressure with the scrums. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they must be feeling pretty confident. Australia are still nurse, nursing an injury list from hell. Question marks as to whether or not Lalaseo will be fut um, for uh, the first blood is low test. We'll see. They have uh, drafted in Bernard Foley, but he hasn't played in uh, a Wallaby jersey for quite some time now. So we'll see. It, it really is anybody's. I think given the performance at Ellis Park, performance in Hamilton, uh, the Wallabies injury crisis, I think New Zealand now, provided they can keep get some consistency, uh, they are the favorites to win. As for how it'll fall between the other three, I, 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 I'm I not going to actually pass comment until I've seen how round five plays out. Um, you know, Argentina at home in Buenos Aires, that's a daunting prospect uh, for South Africa. Um, so, you know, they could revert back to this win one, lose one. And then Argentina having to travel to, to Durban, but they have beaten the All Blacks in Durban before. So, so who knows? Uh, yeah, pretty well impossible to call. Anyway, I'm coming up to uh, the time limit for this one, so I'm going to sign off for now. Uh, I will try and put out a podcast uh, next week ahead of the uh, uh, round five of the rugby championship, but I can't guarantee it. We'll have to see how that goes. I will keep the TV page updated, but as for the blog, there'll be nothing happening on that until probably the end of September when I get back, uh, back, get back to Canada. So yeah, in the meantime, uh, stay safe, everyone. Enjoy the world cup sevens action this weekend. That should definitely be uh, entertaining. There's nothing on really in terms of rugby, uh, until next weekend when everything gets going, the URC, the premiership, um, and round five of the championship. So take care and talk to you soon.